0: And welcome into the Upper Left Performance Podcast. This is a bonus episode. Um, I also happen to do a weekly Zoom call for Upper Left Performance, typically with a group of coaches. Uh, We have one guest or two guests who uh, give a brief presentation, and then we get into an open forum of question and answer. Uh, This week, given the recent events that have been going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, I felt compelled to use my platform to have some people come on to discuss What's been going on the last couple weeks uh, in terms of racial injustice? And I felt like this discussion that we had on the Zoom call merited a podcast episode in and of itself. So, on this podcast is a group of coaches. I'm moderating the discussion, and our guest panelists uh, who did an absolutely brilliant job are Jamal Hill, uh, who has been on the podcast before, he's a podcast guest, um, and Brennan Gassimia. Both of these guys are tremendous influences in my life and the stories that Jamal told here and then that I've had with him in private conversation have done a whole lot to shape my thoughts on what's been going on uh, in the world for the last few weeks and has given me a lot to think about in terms of what I need to change uh, in my life to help impact those who might be in a less fortunate position than myself. So, as promised, here is this zoom discussion with Jamal Hill and Brandon Gasamia. hope you enjoy I honestly am not quite sure where this one's gonna go and <coughs> I'm open for it going anywhere Jamal I called Jamal yesterday we talked <laughs> like an hour and it was super 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 enlightening um just from a lot of perspectives for me and so obviously like I kind of originally thought oh we can keep it to uh within the industry but I think like especially with the group here, I know some of the people. I think we can kind of take it wherever we want to go, and I kind of want to let um, you know Jamal and uh, Jamal especially kind of kind of lead the charge on this and kind of kind of guide the discussion. Um, like I said, I I honestly <clears throat> the last like couple weeks I think has been pretty scary, at least for a lot of us, and uncertain. And um, talking to Jamal yesterday like really gave me a, like a great perspective on what's going on, why it's going on and why it's so important and before that I don't think I really had a full like grasp of the situation to be honest with you so um yeah if Jamal and Brennan who are kind of the 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 guys spearheading this here uh thanks a lot for coming on and then if you guys want to just go into your background and then we can kind of just take it from there so sounds good uh Brennan go ahead (laughs) No, no 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 Jamal please please
1: um uh, I, I, my name is Jamal Hill. Uh, I am a strength conditioning and personal training coach. Uh, I've been in the industry for eight years, I believe. Um, yeah, eight years, wow. Uh have my degree in kinesis, uh, and I own a gym in Laguna Beach, along with three other individuals uh, called Prevail Strength Conditioning uh, in Laguna Beach, California. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Oh, I'm also a professional fighter. I always forget to add that in. Uh, I'm a professional fighter, um, and yeah, like uh, I'm glad to be on to the uh, the upper left performance um, podcast, uh, Zoom calls. It's always been fun. For me.
0: <clears throat> I love
1: how he's. I love how he it's funny. he's very. <laughs> it,
2: it, it, it's um, so it's so subtle how he tells people that he's a professional. Yeah, player,
3: right? it, it always
2: that. it always is like that, guys. So. Um I'm on that note I'm Brennan Gossamia. I've I've actually worked with Jamal for uh about three years just up until recently. Um <clears throat> I've been in the industry for about eight, nine years as well, uh through personal training, performance coaching, through youth and elite. And um, you know, currently I'm a M and R manager at Equinox in Newport Beach. So I focus exclusively on personal training and I do work with one youth women's basketball team. So I'm really excited to be on here and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear everybody's perspectives and how this conversation can go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, let's like keep it, let's like, I I guess, focus on, on the industry side of things first. Um, I think that's that's probably a good way to get it going since that's probably something we're all in the room most familiar with. Um so one of the things I was thinking about this morning, and we can kind of just go off this topic and then like like I said, Jamal and Brennan, I want you guys to kind of blow this open and, and get us where we need to go. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about was we I think most of us here especially are very familiar with talking about being a good person and serving the human being first before the athlete or the client or whatever that person is um you know on the other side of the coin for us um and it's a big deal to me that 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 thing and I think it's a big deal to a lot of people but I think putting it in practice day to day can be very hard sometimes just because monotony sets in we forget about what matters from time to time or maybe we're just paying lip service to it and we don't truly know what it means because I think I said that for a long time and then only recently that I start really taking it to heart especially uh, working with the Army, I think you see the human side of things a lot more working with those guys a lot of times you do with athletes, for example. So, um, you know, Brennan, Bren Jamal, I mean, I think you guys, especially especially you, Brennan, like I really learned a lot from you in that regard, and just I feel like you really exemplify that. So if you've got to kind of go into that, like maybe some things that we need to really focus on in that regard uh, going forward, just given kind of the statement.
2: Yeah um and and no thank you for that and it, it, it's something that has always felt like a um a simple idea that i feel like all of us do genuinely carry but we may be caught up in the idea that professionally how we have to represent ourselves needs to be robotic in a sense so when i got into coaching it, it was fairly organic how it just started to roll into that i had other pathways that coaching ended up being something that felt the most right. And it was because of that interaction um, in more personal senses that I felt was something that was missing within the other areas that everybody in this profession right now, everybody on this call could have gone to as well, like medical school and things like that I'm talking about. But Mm -hmm. I, I really started to appreciate the fact that you could start to see somebody on such a consistent basis that, they actually might end up being some of the people that you see most consistently. Like you live the most life with them. I've had clients that when I think of, you know, three to four years, I've seen three to four years of their life. They have grandkids that are now teenagers where they're like, you know, kids. There's certain elements of what's underneath (coughs) your client, your athlete. That is so enticing to me. And, especially when you get it in the personal sense, it, it feels as though you're doing so much more than coaching, even if you're not truly manipulating any lifestyle changes. You just simply getting to know them and being extremely interested in the human in front of you, um, it, it creates that passion that we all have for helping people. And we, we understand a really deep storyline that the person has within whatever they're here for. I mean, this might be a small part of their day. It might be all of their day, like our professional athletes and things like this might be everything to them, their entire day or their entire you know, period that they're focusing on. But it could also be somebody that simply wants to get some time with a professional that wants to work on their health. And they're only you know, one to two hours a week. But either way, you, you have this opportunity to gain this true storyline and gain a lot of depth in relationships. And it, it's easy to say and kind of cop out to, "Oh well, there's a team setting, it's so hard and so dynamic." I totally agree. I've, I've trained uh, you know, really large groups, as all of us have on this call, that it seems as though like you're just working, and you're just coaching and stuff. But I think we all can admit that there is a lot of time to gain like, little hits of that storyline that we would like to know. And even sharing some of our true authentic self within that, like telling stories about yourself, talking about your weekend every now and then. I know the hour is about the person, but if we don't allow ourselves to be more vulnerable, then we're not really allowing this to be a true relationship. I'm the worker. You're the person I care about. I don't think that's something that is fair to the client or to yourself sorry for the rambles, but no, it's, all good.
1: it's all good. No, but like when you actually like really deep down and think about it, you possibly, and probably see most of your clients more than you see, like some of your really, really good friends. Absolutely. Um, like there's like, like the last time that I saw you was, Oh, actually we golf, we did golf the other day, but, yeah. but before that it was, had been what a month, two months where it was just like certain clients. It's, you 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 will see three to four times a week consistently for an hour hour and a half each and every single time so it's 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 interesting how that kind of personal one-on-one dynamic kind of changes through time also uh because at, at first and most of the time it's like pretty back and forth business as usual but then over time you know it becomes a little bit more personable um and just interacting on that level a little bit more uh it's 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 something that is it it surprises me each and every single time with yeah with a new client so yeah like talking about that like talking about just making sure that everyone is treated on that same level it's like very very important to me especially um in this industry so yeah
0: you um and guys feel free. this is a small group too. this is easy like chime in whenever you want um Brendan you mentioned uh, vulnerability which i think is really interesting i was watching a fergus connolly um zoom chat like a, like a month or two ago and he was talking about how that can be kind of like we all kind of say oh be vulnerable with people but even what you're saying right there we kind of almost have to earn the right to do that if you come off and are immediately vulnerable with someone about like extremely personal things either in their life or your life like that can be kind of a turn off too it's almost like you have to work your way into this person's life gain some trust before you can allow that vulnerability to even occur which I found to be really interesting because it, mm-hmm. it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way sometimes when people <coughs> say oh be vulnerable with someone well, it's like I don't know this person like I have to there has to be like a, some sort of like entryway to get to that point you know yeah.
2: yeah and on on that note too I I see I see like being vulnerable in like a really large spectrum that yeah time it, it's really linear on on like the time scale right and when I think about like, how you would be vulnerable in a really early stage of a relationship, think about any of your relationships, new, new friendships, um, you know, if your relative hat, you know, is in love and getting married, things like that. Um, you can allow yourself to just be simply authentic. So if you're in an environment in the, in the context that would allow you to be maybe more open and joyous, like be that that's okay. Like If you're having yeah. a good time with your youth team or with your, your first client, your client's first session, if you're actually having a good time, be authentic, be enthusiastic. Being enthusiastic is being vulnerable. I think today's day and age, something that really does irk me is the need for people to be cool. People need to act as if they don't, need, they don't want to be enthusiastic about things, especially when it comes to work sometimes. Like, we think we want to be in robotic, and th- those enthusiastic people at work almost seem like too much, but
1: like- Yeah, too general. Yeah. yeah.
4: No, I, 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 I completely yeah. agree with you, Brendan, because like, I'm one of those people who's like, oh my god, yes, like, let's yeah. do this. I mean, that's just, that's just how I'm wired. And I cannot tell you the amount of um, criticism I've. It's not just from clients, but from other coworkers and managers. They're like, they're like, oh, like, you know, am it down. It's not like I'm like down, down all over the place. But, but I truly yeah. believe that. Uh, but also the clients that who I attract, actually, they really need that, and um, they'll book an extra session with me sometimes during the week. They're so like, hey, I'm feeling like pretty down, but your enthusiasm just helps me to get somewhere to do something to be in like my body and you know i I think that you know when we're self-conscious about like trying to be cool you know like um I, i think we we hurt those who we are meant to serve and um hold space for yeah
2: And and when you even think about the the definition of enthusiasm, it means in spirit, you know, you're actually in the moment, you're being present, and you're learning to have enjoyment through that moment, right? So it can have any sort of expression it wants. If you want to come in excited, that's great. And people should appreciate that because that feeds off into the environment. But on the other end of vulnerable that I do agree in time is, is is really breaking ba- boundaries that we should be setting is like being u- ultra vulnerable on speaking about your personal life in extent, and maybe even the challenges that we might, you know, anybody might be going through and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like that's the type of vulnerability that like would definitely be breaking the boundaries of us as coaches, but the type of vulnerability that would allow you to be enthusiastic and yourself and however you want to express it and show that excitement if you're answer to what you're saying, it's, you know, there, there's a, there's a certain way that
1: you're really being yourself and being present in coaching. Yeah. It, 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 it creates that authenticity.
0: Yes. So, um, anybody else on, on that topic before we want to move on to the next one or.
4: Oh yeah. Um, I ahead. wanted to say that, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> That um, if your client is going through something like, in their life that like you have experienced like a breakup or like you're uh, grieving something or you're they're going through you know, a divorce and that's something that you have experienced with um, getting through, that is definitely an opportunity to that's a segue to show this this vulnerable to your client and still maintain that boundary of professionalism also talking about injuries too that i i found that that's a very important like segue to you know relating to clients and having the clients see you as more relatable that makes sense
2: yeah the so. professional way that has an emotional component to it absolutely recovering from injury a great that's
0: a great point right there are we saying jamal no no no. i was agreeing i was agreeing with that yeah um let's talk about more of the industry as a whole um and jamal feel i definitely want you to definitely want you to hit this one um i'm seeing you know various people talk about how we need to kind of right some wrongs in terms of the inequality that's going on in our field be it the amount of minorities being hired or um, just various other things. And I was wondering uh, what your take was on that. And then, you know, you know, what kind of problems do exist within that realm and then maybe some possible solutions. Um, And this could be, you know, in the sports side of things or the personal training, like
1: whatever you, wherever
0: direction you want to go. So.
1: I mean, the biggest thing for me is to just uh, the, the best way that I can describe this is I didn't understand, or I didn't even get that, being a strength conditioning coach was like kind of even an option uh like growing up um it was always more geared towards being the athlete so just even reaching out and um like it's a hard one to hit because it would have to be a lot of outreach um but that is could that could possibly be something that would um help the industry help getting you know minorities or whatever it may be into the uh, into the field into the industry a little bit more maybe a little bit more outreach um just because like like I said I didn't even know this was a thing I didn't know um I re- like, granted the industry is relatively new uh in the sense of how um together it is now um granted that means through social media social media and things like that but like I said, I didn't even know it was really an option. I didn't really know that was an avenue that I could take until further down the line. It was always geared towards more of like physical therapy and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, like maybe creating more of an outreach, creating more of a, uh, a a presence in high schools or something like that, um, that might help, um, especially with just getting this industry more face time with, um, people in that kind of community Jamal that's interesting that
2: you were talking about you you just mentioned presence in high school because yeah. when you were speaking about how like not knowing that this was an option I I was I was curious like at to as to what age would this be something that we start to present this as not only an option but a wonderful opportunity and a, and a true yeah. way to build a career uh, because how
1: would you go about doing that Because unfortunately, like most people see it as kind of a a fallback, like the athlete that didn't make it or something like along those lines, or, you know, you got an injury. So therefore, like you can fall back on like, you know, the strength and conditioning world. Um, But making more like curriculum, like, uh, honestly, how I kind of figured out I could do this was a course that I took, I think maybe my senior year, it was like sports medicine. But again, it was geared towards more of a, a athletic training. Um, or athletic trainer so even that wasn't necessarily geared towards strength and conditioning so maybe making it more of like an elective or something like that Um, like I don't necessarily have an answer but I wish that I knew that this was an avenue that I could have taken um, a lot more serious and a lot earlier and then maybe I would have gotten you know a little bit more of a head start (laughs) in in it in in that uh, in that way and you know we're not like jumping on the human body like through. I mean, like starting in college, we kind of have already an introduction um, around it and about it. So that way we can, you know, iron it out a little bit more. So
2: I think some context to that, too, is it feels as though when we look at strength and conditioning and personal training as um, long-term careers, that even even the things that we used to hear is like cliches of like, oh, yeah. you know, this is the in-between, all that. Um, we're still in a very early stage in the field. Oh, 100%. But I agree. But you really bring up great points on uh, the fact that you didn't even know that this was an option and also the perception on when you are embracing this, how it would be, oh, an injured athlete or, you know, couldn't make it or something like that. Like yeah. even those perceptions themselves really hold back the, the validity of this as, it, as a career, as it's thinking about it and anything more than a fallback. And um, yeah. that's not fair to or, any like, of the industry, it. but it's especially not yeah. fair
1: like, especially, like, at my age and, like, the area that I grew up, like, if you were a personal trainer, it was more on the lines of, you know, bodybuilding or something along the, like, something like that, not necessarily, like, strength and conditioning or athletic performance or, you know, athletic development or anything like that. So, yeah, like, just knowing, like, understanding that that was more of the avenue that I wanted to go down, um, kind of, like, understanding that that was a uh, legitimate field that I could go into, like, that would have been, a lot <laughs> like, it, it, i would have appreciated that a little bit more um but again that, that comes out with like outreach that goes with um maybe reaching out to high schools for internship programs or um just, just things and uh things of, of that nature like the same things that we do for colleges like you know um like when we worked at stars we like we reached out to cal state fullerton for uh interns and stuff like that um yeah, just like, but at the same time doing that, but with inner community high schools or um, something along those lines like that, I think that would benefit our industry with especially getting uh, minorities and like, making sure that they know that there's more of an option than just you know turning professional as an athlete uh, that you know that you have more to work with in the realms of sports or the realms of being an athlete in itself than actually just performing you know so that's a great point those are great ideas
0: is um i'm just gonna be direct here is is this space of strength conditioning hostile towards 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 minorities, do you think? Do you think it's accepting?
1: I, I think it's pretty. I honestly think it's pretty accepting, just because of the overall. Like, but again, I'm I'm not at that like high level. I I don't work with like you know. I don't work within a college, so I don't know if getting a job necessarily would be difficult um, as a minority. Because um, like I've I like I own my own gym now, so um, in that aspect, not really for me uh, personally. Um, and, and then I think especially because most athletes are having to be, like, African-American, so, like, if there's a little bit more of a tolerance there. Um, but, yeah, no, like I, I – I, I, like I said, I wouldn't be qualified to answer that because I haven't necessarily tried to go far in the professional realm. Well, gonna-
0: how, about, how about following that up then with – rather than just trying to get a job in a specific space in the field, what about just mm-hmm. the attitude or the level of tolerance you're treated with just on a day-to-day basis with colleagues or people that you might be trying to connect with, et cetera.
1: Okay. So in that regard, um, I, it, it's hard for me because I've always dealt with things like that and more of a deflective, um, manner. So, um, with me, I mean, and like, you you can, you might say that, like, I could have, I mean, I could be part of the uh, problem, quote, unquote, not even a problem, but uh, I'm very, very tolerant. Uh, like, I have a very high tolerance level, I have a very, very high uh, outer skin, and I don't let things necessarily get to me. Um, because that's just what I was taught. I was taught to just like, if something like that does come up, if something like that is, uh, pre- like, you know, like is uh, um, prevalent than to kind of deflect off of it and make sure that your presence is known, but through a positive manner. So even if it has been a thing for me, I probably haven't even, uh, I I try not to even recognize it. And I was kind of, uh, I talked to Brennan about this a little bit too, where the things that have been happening in the last week kind of had, uh, kind of has made me look internally and actually reflect and um, taking all the emotions of past traumas and past experiences that normally that I would just deflect or let bounce off of me. Um, so in that regard, possibly, yes, more than likely, yes. But again, that would be, have that has to be something that I would have to actually like make myself uh, uh, relive and, and like, I, I try not to do that. And again, that could be part of the problem. But it's also part of the reason why I think I have done well. It's because I am that kind of individual. If something is wrong, I will put my head down and I will work until I fix whatever is wrong. Um, so in that regard, I that would be something that I have to reflect on again. Uh, and I've done a lot of reflecting because... There has been a lot of uh, times where, uh, unfortunately, being an African-American or looking at completely African-American in today's world has um, caused several, in, like, you know, prejud- uh, prejudice, uh, like, injustice to myself. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> to answer that question, it, it, again, that'd, be, have some, that'd have to be something that I have to reflect on once again.
0: Just making sure anybody else doesn't want to chime in. <laughs> <It's not good. laughs> okay. Yeah, go ahead, Brendan. I, I knew you did. I knew you did. <laughs> I, I, I was,
2: you know, just to reflect back on you know what Jamal and I was talk, uh, we talking about, like the the fact that you can take an event and allow it to let you have some true self reflection, and. Yeah. I talk about depth, right? Depth of a relationship, like gaining depth on certain things that you weren't allowing depth with. Things exactly. that you, you yourself and in your just, own and life even, hadn't battled. I think that was Even a, being vulnerable
1: with myself in like some mm-hmm. of those situations. like That's really, really hard to do um, just because if I let myself be vulnerable in the moment, I know for a fact that it might come out in the worst possible way. Um, if yeah. I let myself be vulnerable in the moment, I might be judged in the worst possible way. I might put myself in a situation in the worst possible way um, so just learning how to again deflect and create a like i 'm really good with creating my own self motivation when something like that happens like just to prove everyone wrong, just to prove that you know i 'm more than um, the, the the athlete that didn 't make it or i 'm more than the professional fighter or i 'm more than um, an African American, like uh, on, on, on the, on the surface level. Like I'm more, like I am a, I am a person, I am a human. I am a successful, whatever you want to put in, whatever the, whatever the goal is in mind. Like, and, that, and I, I'm really, really good at doing that, not letting myself get vulnerable in the moment instead of changing that into um, momentum and whatever I'm trying to accomplish. So, uh, but that being said, should that have to happen not necessarily like I don't think I should have to um, I, I don't think I should have to necessarily use that kind of energy to motivate myself um, especially in today's day and age so um, like am i am I happy am I not necessarily happy am i am I glad that I went through some of the experiences that I went through in order to make myself the pro, the strong person that I am today? Absolutely. Should I have had to have gone through some of those struggles and trials and tribulations? Absolutely not. Um, so yeah, that's that's where it's a real struggle for me because I have to let myself get vulnerable, um, and I have to let myself actually understand um, and fully comprehend the emotions that I felt in those moments to kind of like relay them to other people and educate other people.
2: That brings. Just, again, talking about that depth, I mean, how you can actually communicate with people and share yourself within that, that vulnerability, it's well-directed and it, ha- it had been reflected on, identified, and, you know, you allow it to actually be directed and used in a way that um, it is controlled and, and, and is up to you. Like, yeah. you're free of this burden of not knowing whether this is, you know, this is a reaction or a response. Now you're making right. responses because you're truly identifying yourself and the things, the very real facts in your past and the experiences that you've had, you're allowing it to shape you, but you're not allowing it to own you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'm, I'm also able to, because like like I said, I, I mean, it. I, my, I, I'll give it to my parents. I'll give it to the people that raised me. This is the community that raised me. The, the my, uh, my karate family that raised me. My uh, brothers and sisters that you know raised me. They did a great job, and everyone did a great job with not necessarily like like pointing that that anger or pointing that uh, disappointment or pointing that that uh, that sense of you know of being wronged in the right direction. Um, and unfortunately like a lot of people don't have those conversations. I mean, don't have the people in their corner to point them in that direction. Um, and like, un- unfortunately, like they fall down the wrong paths because of anger because of possible wrongdoings because of things like that. And, um, yeah. And then I, I, like I said, I was blessed enough to have a community to lend out that hand, um, to, to be that guidance for me um and just to like help me and help propel propel myself up uh, into the real world um and be kind of prepared for that so i like i said I, i i'll i'll give it up to the people to the to the people that 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 helped raise me to the community that raised me to my karate family to my real family um for putting me on the right path and learning how to deflect that kind of disappointment that kind of anger that kind of questioning why um in certain situations in certain scenarios and making my own uh, painting my own story and not letting that narrative become my story
2: it sounds like the ideas you have really highlight how you want to pay that forward oh 100 percent community built you we build the community back and 100 um, like I and i just want like and that's like the do.
1: biggest thing for me is i like i never expected or you know saw myself or envisioned myself, having these kinds of conversations with people, um, talking to people um, to help them understand some of the, the the things that I went through and some of the things that I was raised in and to help them like understand where I, where I come from and how to kind of like bridge that gap. Although I don't know any possible solutions at this moment of like exactly how this will end, I'm just happy to bridge that gap and have everyone understand. Uh, because to create change, like you need for everyone to understand what is wrong, so that way it does change, so that way it's not like pulling uh pulling weeds and having the roots still there, so that way the weeds can grow back up instead, everyone understands we need to grab this by the roots and understand those roots so that way we can pull the weed by the roots and have them not grow up again so um yeah, like having like i like i said i've never imagined myself ever doing this ever speaking to people ever um, having people reach out to me to have myself speak to them to kind of um, understand each other on a better level or more um, like like a deeper uh, level and understand the depth of um, the things that are going on.
0: Yeah. I even, I just want to throw in like our conversation yesterday, Jamal. And I mean, I said it enough yesterday. I was like, Holy cow. Like I just, <laughs> You know, like, I, I was born in the suburbs in a mostly white area, like, fairly affluent parents. Like, mm-hmm. I've never had a problem with anyone really of any other race or anything like that. So I just kind of, not, like, assumed, like, oh, this is just, like, outliers. Like, this doesn't really happen. Like, most everybody likes everybody and, like,
1: you know. I agree with that. Like, like I said, I agree with that. Like, I don't think that it's something that you know, all white people are bad, all cops are bad, all No, you know, yeah, like,
0: absolutely. Yeah, like that's, and and that my takeaway <laughs> yesterday wasn't wasn't necessarily anything along those lines. It was my takeaway was this happens way more though than I thought it did. You know? Yes. Like there's yes. underlying things here that I thought didn't really like exist in most circles and that just wasn't true. You know?
1: No, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. no and then a lot of it too is a lot of it is um uh, things that aren't done on purpose. You know, like like um built-in bias or um like like I said like a lot like a lot of the things that have happened to me that haven't necessarily been because someone has been straight up racist but it's more of they don't understand some of the things that they did or do reflect to me in a certain like a certain way um because of the way that they wouldn't be asking this question or they wouldn't be reacting this way if I weren't black. Um, So like that, but like people that I know absolutely aren't racist, but yet will react a certain way because I am black. And like, that is a form of it in a way. But like, I know that for a fact, like that person's not racist. It's just, just, I mean, that's just uh, something that is an underlying bias that they don't need to have with me or they they shouldn't have in general. Um, And it's unfortunate that people do have that. Um, so yeah, like that's, that has probably been the biggest thing, like opening people's eyes to even, although they might not be racist or although it like, you know, they don't might not believe in certain things that the, um, black lives movement is actually being like, uh, is, is being portrayed as there's still underlying issues that maybe they have and they just don't understand it yet, or they just don't know yet or even actually the actual understanding of the meaning of the Black Lives Movement uh, and things like that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a doozy of the last two weeks for sure. (laughs) Yeah. When you, when you add on,
2: or when when you have somebody and this this goes, this goes across the board, but it, it is extremely apparent within what Jamal was just talking about. When you change your actions, your words, your thoughts—how you act with somebody else based on a, a physical identity, a, a culture, so, some some aspect of diversity—then um, you know that that is a form of, I, I'll, albeit as subtle as as it seems, it's not subtle because the person that is experiencing it has experienced it. it so often and, and can see like, it, and we can see it full blown. And it's something that has gone on for so long that even the understanding or the perception or um, even the stereotype of these interactions, you know, it can get out of hand. And it's, and it's the fact that we're not taking action to even reverse that and truly understand and take ownership of our own places. And this goes across the board for everybody on this call everybody in the world, we need to just first take ownership and awareness to ourselves. And that's what we were talking about yesterday a lot, Jamal, is like, you know, he had such, you know, in-depth conversations and personal conversations and really strong communication of somebody listening, somebody talking and truly trying to understand what is being said rather than trying to respond in order to justify or defend your stance and your thoughts, allowing yourself to be able to alter your thoughts based off of new information or new perspectives um, without being too strong on your own ideas, but being free to, you know, you know, respond how you want, but you gotta be able to listen and
4: Have open a conversation. up and understand. Have, Have a conversation. So like that was that's, that's been my
1: biggest thing is when people like I mean I've I've personally reached out to people that who I consider really, really good friends. I've considered, I mean, I've reached out to people who I consider like French friends. I've reached out to people who I consider not necessarily a friend, but an acquaintance, Um, just so that way we can have a conversation surrounding what they actually view the Black Lives Matter with, like how they actually view it and have a conversation around how their perception might be incorrect. And then again, going back and forth, having dialogue around, some of the, the the worries or some of the uh, misconceptions or even some of the, the actual truths uh, that are actually happening during these protests and having dialogue and conversations around that to not necessarily let the media paint the narrative, but let experiences paint the, uh, the narrative uh, in, instead. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing is just having the conversation so that way, like you actually understand in full the narrative of what's actually going on and not necessarily what other people say or the media will say, or what you see on Instagram or what you see on Facebook, but actually having a full in-depth conversation on those kind of, or or on the social injustice that's actually going on in America today.
0: Yeah. Brendan, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent, man, where you talked about discourse, like just having reasonable discourse. I think that's something that like, that, I think that's one of the things that's scared me the most about this is, is like you, you log on to a lot of mediums online and it's just people just lobbing insults at each other. Like we're not getting exactly. to understand what's going exactly. on here. Yeah. Have a conversation. yeah and and I, honestly, like, you know, after our discussion yesterday, I understand the anger is justified. I think what's happening is, is really important. Uh, but it had like, and, and I'm sure it is for the most part. We're just seeing the worst sides of it on social media. Exactly. But like. On
1: both sides, though. Yeah. On oh, 100%. 100%. Which is, yeah. Which is in, in, insane. Like to see the. Like there, there hasn't been much about the middle ground. I'm out, uh, much about what is actually. This is actually about. Not necessarily about like, you know, the looting, which is unfortunate and I don't condone, but I understand and I get it. Like I get it, and if, instead of talking about how bad the looting has been, talk about why the looting is happening. Um, talking about like not necessarily like the like the extremes of the looting and of the rioting, but more on the the aspect of understanding why everything is happening. Um, and even like
2: when I, you even when you identify when you start to identify like any narrative, and this could be from somebody you follow or, you know, what you're watching, like what you're consuming, the information that you're consuming, if you're noticing that it is constantly only representing the divisive parts of this movement, but also the divisive parts about society that still That's right. are evolving, you know, w- we also got to understand that there is a vast majority of unity that has been and is very much being built right now like like jamal like jamal said like listening to the stories of the people and having a true and intimate conversation having conversations with people that might that you know don't have the same views as you in order to like open up and at least build a bridge and things this is where unity starts to come about and as a society we learn to not let uh, what we think might be a mass opinion or a narrative that we should all believe let us dictate and I think we're I think the majority of people are also waking up to the fact that that is true and they want to be free of thought and really try to understand people better. I think that is happening a lot more than what is being represented so we believe that and we believe that people really want to be understood and really want to unify and these movements that that is the giant purpose right in our face if we act upon that then our discourse our dissension towards any other parts of it that we might question we can at least understand the purpose and act towards that and when we act towards that purpose then we are getting very far and we're Stopping to police ourselves on needing to react a certain way, we can have a communication. Exactly. Conversation. And how many times does a conversation end with two parties no longer wanting to speak more about the subject or don't come to some sort of a mutual ground, even with the most opposing views? It does not happen as often in a personal conversation as we think. With that, like, that is the best practice to that is happening right now and it's happening a lot more. We're just not being fed that information. So we need to go find that and create that information ourselves.
0: Um, yeah, I, I like this a lot. This is one thing too that, that I was thinking about and I think Jamal, we talked about it yesterday. Um, when we start talking about it on this level, we start to realize like the impact that we can have, like in like very small spaces that we might be in, you know, and, and that kind of will, will grow. And I think sometimes too, you see on social media, like people want this like sweeping big thing now that everybody just follows along and jumps right in. And and I don't think that happens if we don't do like these little things that that you know for example no, so it's so happening now. Like, you
1: know? like a lot of people, a lot of people argue the fact that like you know the African American community can necessarily like fix itself. Um, but you know, you have to have kind of like the the, the know how, like it. And a a a great way for everyone to kind of make an impact is you know, just like I, and and this is the part that like blows my mind away is like in college, like you have so many different people who come in and speak to you about so many different opportunities and so many different options and so many different like things that you can, you know, steer your life towards. Like, uh, for instance, with strength and conditioning or personal training, Equinox will come to a college, um, different recruiting, like, uh, different teams will come and recruit their, you know, strength and conditioning programs. And, uh, like like from that, like to create an intern pro sh- um uh, intern um uh internship program or something like that, but I don't really remember much of that necessarily being happened in my high school or necessarily in my community um but if that were to be a thing like i would i would have loved to have like guest speakers come to my high school, you know guest speakers come and uh, uh talk to us about. Things that I had no idea, like you know, I mean, unfortunately, like savings accounts or, like you know, finding internships, how to create that, um, a, a create a way out, um, or just to lend a helping hand, man, like that. And all honestly, like that's that's the the one thing that blows me away is people are so quick to not lend a helping hand, um. And, like, the easiest way for me to, like, explain it is if I saw Jack, I mean, I use the strength and conditioning uh, uh, metaphor with him, but if I saw Jack in the gym, and Jack's my friend, and he was deadlifting, and it was just, like, a terrible deadlift, like, it just got awful, and I know him on a personal level. Lies. Um, never bad deadlift for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but disclaimer, I've never seen Jack deadlift within, you know, that made me cringe. Um, this never happened. Uh, but for instance, like say he was, um, I'm not going to say, well, it's up to Jack to like correct himself. You know, it's not like, or it, once he breaks his back, he's going to understand like, you know, what he did wrong. No, as a friend, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to help. I'm gonna help my my friend and give him some cues. Give him maybe like I'm not gonna over cue, maybe he's like apprehensive, but I'm gonna still do my job as a a person in the strength and conditioning community to give him a little tip or two. Um, but is it up to him to accept that? Of course, but at least he's getting the opportunity to get some constructive criticism, uh, you know, to help his format. So like that, my biggest thing is why are people so apprehensive to do the exact same thing with the African-American community at this point? Um, like if I see my brother on the floor, if I see Jack on the floor with his uh, face in the mud, I'm definitely going to help him. up. Like there's absolutely no way that I would not help him up. Um, so like that's, that's been my like biggest thing is just like what I, I, I don't understand why it's Suchy, such a such a touchy subject for someone to to do um to you know help out some, a friend in need help out a community in need we're so quick to i mean I, I even myself included i'm really quick to you know help out with relief efforts in a third world country um why can't that same energy be spent towards the african-american community in the united states right now and like that's just been that's been another uh, not necessarily eye-opening thing but um emotional roller coaster for me to have to deal with, you know? Uh, but yeah, sorry about that one. That was a, a bit of a tangent too. No, no. That's that's what we're that's what we're hoping
0: to do here for sure. So um yeah does anyone does anyone have any other like any comments, questions? It's kind of been the three of us bouncing it back and forth. I want to try to make sure we keep it open to everybody. Uh, any
1: questions are welcome. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I've been literally having daily hour, hour, two hour conversations with different people answering different questions showing them a different perspective um, and just trying to trying to bridge that gap and uh, show them the narrative that they that that that's really important not necessarily the narrative that's shown
5: I had a couple questions Um, my name is Brandon by the way nice to meet you guys I had a couple of questions that are like general and then more strength and conditioning. But one question that's come up because of this conversation and, um, and being vulnerable and things like that. But to be quite honest with you guys, like I personally don't use like social media that much really at all. Um, I tend to stay away from it. Like I don't watch the news, anything like that. I obviously heard what happened um, and kind of like my mom spoke to me about it very shortly. But um, I do agree that using like social media could be super beneficial and like i know that these calls are recorded and like like jack said having these small conversations can actually like have ripple effects that are huge so would you be able to just like put in layman's terms like what exactly like and this could go for me this could go for anybody who ends up watching this call but like in layman's terms like what's going on on like a a level like with the movement itself why is it happening and like what can like happen to fix it so to speak all right that's a great
1: question um in layman terms so it's really really hard because i mean not even in layman's terms but it's really really hard to dissect everything because there's so many different levels to it um so there's not necessarily like police brutality yes that's one level of it um White privilege, yes, sure, that's a level to it. Um, social injustice, yes, that's a, 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 a level to it, but it's a mix of all of these things. And a it's basically to shed light that all of these things do and still exist in some form and capacity. Um, and just like living through past experience, like I can give, and it's so weird and so emotionally draining that I can't actually give, personal experiences in each and every single one of these aspects. Um, Like, like I, I, I was telling Jack actually yesterday, um, the, I, uh, I was doing a park workout. Um, and there was a bunch of other people doing park workouts at the same exact park. Um, but, for some reason i was the one who was getting the questions asked like hey like well you know what's going on and this is way before this is happening uh the things that are actually taking place were happening but like you know people coming up to me asking me like what's going on do i need help what am i doing there not necessarily in a mean way but still in a very apprehensive way because um of the area that i was in uh and i was telling my girlfriend who's <laughs> uh, who's actually white too um and she, i i i tell her all the time I was like i hate going to that park like i absolutely hate going to that park like that is probably and it's it sucks because it's a really nice park and like i like it, it, to do some sprints and um like working on stuff like that it's it's a great park to do that in but it's i hate going there uh because of the looks that i might get because of the questions that i get because of the um because of being black in a very, 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 very white neighborhood, um, questions that I get. Um, so just letting people know that that still is prevalent, that still exists, and there's no reason to have that kind of bias off of an inertial reaction, off of seeing someone and having that kind of visceral reaction to an individual just because of their skin color, just because of the way that they look. Um, Uh, and it's just just unfortunate that that happens at such a high rate but to those people they might not even understand like what they were doing was um hurting my feelings or causing some kind of emotional uh damage to to myself you know because you know they see a strength conditioning you know i'm I'm a 30 year old man (laughs) in the park like they don't understand like what kind of um, what kind of emotions that I might go through in that exchange, in that conversation, especially because, like, I know for a fact other people just drove up to this park also and are doing the exact same things as I am. Um, and yeah, just having conversations around something like that, like that, is what this movement's about. Um, I, had, I actually had another conversation with someone who kind of said that the way a cop broke down how they approach uh, someone of color is um and this one like really really took me for a ride was um kind of how they, their past experiences with the dog are like, like for instance a rottweiler and Pitbull. they're bred for aggression so if you get bit by a pit bull or a german shepherd or a rottweiler the next time you walk up to another pit bull german shepherd or rottweiler you're going to be pretty apprehensive you're going to be skittish you're going to be jumpy But the thing is, is African Americans were not bred for violence. Like that's not what our like. There's no breed to a human being. I'm just a human. There's no reason for you to have that feeling of, oh my God, this is the black guy. So, the how I should act is as if I'm approaching a pit bull, Um, and unfortunately, that is the way that it's viewed, and that's the way that certain. And again, this is this was coming from a friend, um, who I actually like. It is a friend of mine. Like, but this is the way that he approaches meeting a new person of color um and it's unfortunate and just painting that narrative that do you under kind of like do you just realize that how demeaning that might sound to the other person like to know that when you first met me you saw me as a a pit bull or or a potential of being bitten by me (laughs) so like i mean it's 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 just unfortunate and, just, and I just want to bring awareness to um, individuals that that isn't the way that you should view another human being. That I have just as much value as the person next to me. That off of initial reaction, you shouldn't be surprised that I'm an intelligent individual. Um, <laughs> I'm competent at what I do because like that in itself is wrong. Um, so just having those conversations with people and is, it is kind of what I view the black lives movement as, um, just because I'm not like protesting, at, um, in the streets right now, just because of my schedule and things like that, but I'm doing the best that I can to educate people that these things actually do exist and that these things are something that african-americans have to worry about like for instance like i would never go for a run in the middle of the night there's absolutely no way that i would ever do that uh i like i'm just completely being honest especially in the neighborhood that i live in now if i were to go for a run at two o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning i probably wouldn't want to do that <laughs> I, like that or wear a hoodie at night um, when i 'm not driving, I probably wouldn 't want to do that either like these and these are the things that my parents had to have conversations with me with, and unfortunately like have I have to have these conversations with my kids um, until eventually like you know i i i 'm just trying to bridge that gap so that these conversations don 't need to be had anymore um, and yeah like that was an, again like having to reflect remembering those conversations that my family had given me that you know things like that would happen or are going to happen or um, do happen. Remembering asking uh, why that person asked that question or like for instance, my grandmother is the whitest individual that you'll ever see in your life. Uh, but like walking through a toy store with with her and having people ask if she was okay because she had two black kids like following her, things like that. Like I don't even think like. And again, that was something that like I kind of deflected and let didn't let my uh, emotions ever come out about that. Like, but whew, that's a that's a doozy. Like, that is a really emotional doozy, especially for like a seven year old to have to go through, or an eight year old to have to go through, or just different experiences with getting pulled over or being on my bike and being surrounded by officers for um, no apparent <laughs> reason except that I was an African American in the suburb riding my bike with my brother. Um and just going through uh, like letting myself be vulnerable to those emotions. Um it it's it's just been very, very uh uh again, I just never really thought about ever having to experience uh these feelings and and uh translate them to another person so that way they can understand some of the social social injustices that are still prevalent in today's society.
5: Thank you, man. Honestly, yeah. that's uh, really eye-opening. And I want to just validate you and everything that you're saying. Because um, I know I don't know you, but like just hearing you talk, like, I'm super proud of you for sticking out for what you believe in. And, like, and I agree with everything you're saying, man. I definitely want to validate that for sure. Appreciate it. Really do really appreciate that.
3: And like, that's just
1: like my biggest thing is just to create understanding. Like, even though you might not have like Jack, like I was having that conversation with Jack and Jack was like, dude, I've never thought about that with, about anyone. I was like, that is awesome. And that's amazing that you feel that. I mean, that, that, that you don't see that way, but it's my, it's my, I feel like it's my job to bridge that gap. So that way people do understand what we're feeling, because even though you might not feel that, Or you might not like you. You've never like thought like that. There's other people that do feel like that, and that's the reason why this is happening. It's not necessarily because everyone thinks like that. It's because it still does happen.
0: Well, you you even you even asked me yesterday, and I thought this was like the most interesting part of our conversation. You were like, Oh yeah, if you could, if you could just be you, except you just have to change your skin color, would you do it? And I was like, Oh yeah, like why not? And he's like, Well, think about what we just talked about, and I was like, Oh, (laughs) like. Oh. yeah okay
1: yeah. <laughs> but like that's the thing like certain, certain people have like those blinders on that don't allow them to even absorb any of the information that i that i like i relayed back to them and some people live without any blinders at all and are able to fully grasp everything that i said like like i said like jack like, you don't have blinders where you're like stuck in your ways where you think a certain way and like that's it like you're super open to discussion you're super open to conversation you didn't really understand what was going on so you wanted to broaden your horizon like you had narrow vision it's just opening more and more to the social injustice in in that field and like I commend everyone also who who are willing to have that conversation and you know who are willing to be open-minded and to understand everything on this level you know like just it, it, I, I like I said, like it's it's really hard and emotional, and I didn't think I would ever have to go through this. But like for instance, my girlfriend who who has been with me and who has seen it like happen straight to her face, like I've had drinks dumped on me, and people say like you don't need to be with someone like that, or like we've walked to like into a movie theater where a a 50 year old man has bumped me, and like this is a disgrace, like something like that, and like this is Huntington Laguna Beach, like you know. Um, and she didn't think it was as um, as prevalent as it is in today's society until she ended up being with me. And she's never, I, I'm not going to say she's been one to shy away from a conversation, but she's never really brought up this conversation um, about race and how I actually feel. And because, again. I deflect like if something like that happens to me, I'm like to be the first person to be like oh, it's all good, man. Like you know, I'll just sweep it under the rug and I'm just like it's all good. Like she's the firecracker in our relationship for sure. Um Like she'll so be like, what? What did that person say? I'm, I'll literally say like you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. Um But having the conversation with her and her realizing that you know how she grew up is completely opposite from the way that I grew up, and her seeing the things that I've had to go through and the things that I do go through, the rate of um, like just just how people talk to me or, you know, uh, having an introduction with someone and them saying something that they would probably would never say in a million years, like, yo, 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 what's up, homeboy? Like, what? Like, things like that. And her seeing that um, and, you know, her actually wanting to have that conversation finally. Like, I th- that's why I honestly think, like, all of this is Great because i've actually had to have this conversation with people um and it's it's opened people up to wanting to know like what's actually going on like what have i experienced and with her that was actually the first time i was actually vulnerable and talking about like the things that have happened to me uh, racially wise um and then even talking about having the same conversation because again like she grew up um in a very like suburban area um white parents like grew like you know never had to like worry about any of the things that I had to worry about but having the conversation with her that we're going to have this we're going to have we're going to have to have this conversation that I had with our children unfortunately because they're going to be people of color that they're going to have darker skin people are going to know that they're black um and seeing her emotions when i told her that and her asking why and that she didn't want that to happen and like she was just like genuinely distraught and upset because she understood the emotions that I go through because we don't even have kids yet but she's so protective over her own that she felt that immediate reaction already um you know and she was angry she was mad and she wanted to like lash out but you know what would I look like if I did that like what would I look like if I was in Laguna Beach and a guy dumped his like 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 when the guy dumped his drink on me and I turned around and I'm a professional fighter I would have knocked him out in like one shot (laughs) like body like easily body on the ground and then his friends jump in and bodies on the ground there and then an officer comes in and then I'm the only black guy in a bar in Laguna Beach with a bunch of white guys who were saying that I'm out of control and like what would that narrative look like? So I've actually learned how to deflect those emotions and just move on about it. Like not even really worry about it. And again, um having to relive those experiences and reflect on those experiences with her, with myself, it was like like it, it's been a very emotional week to say the least. But um I'm I would be more than happy to share those experiences with as many people as I can if it, it meant that the the bridge was being built for understanding and for change so
2: i gotta say i mean the fact that you bring up even with with jack with the blinders that he may have had but being so open to open these up i think there's there's a very real element of deniability that people might have within themselves because they don't, they don't see it this way, they uh-huh. don't act according to this way, even if, even if we might not be aware of how subtle it might be, like when we're speaking about how people like immediately change their behavior around you, then that they would never act like that, right? Yeah. So it could be subtle, but, but there's, uh, there's such a level of deniability that people, even if they think that they're not part of the problem, that the problem doesn't exist, Um, and you know, it's like taking a spoonful of the ocean and not seeing any sharks or whales and saying, Oh, there's no sharks or whales. Like, of course there is, this is very present. And I, and what I'm seeing right now is that more voices are being very, being very certain of the awareness that needs to be had that this does happen. And it is important to speak against it just because you're not part of the problem. Doesn't mean that you're part of the solution. If you're you're in this middle ground and you're not learning how to speak up, open up dialogue on all different viewpoints and really challenge people's opinions when there is a level of ignorance and short-sightedness, if we're not part of that, then we're not really part of that solution. And you bring up such real experiences that you not only have had, but you're already anticipating having had or having to go through. And those are things that need to be listened to. They need to be. Especially with like,
1: and the craziest part is I'm anticipating these social interactions with, like with with people for my kids. Like I don't even have kids yet. Like I don't even have kids yet. But yeah, Yeah. I like, I dread and like, it's gut wrenching to actually have to think about like answering my kids questions to why did this happen to me today? Like this happened, like why? And it, unfortunately, like, like I don't even, like that conversation is going to break my heart and it, it sucks like it just, it just sucks like knowing that that heartbreak is going to come eventually you know so and that's something that
2: that actually needs to be not only just understood but like feel that yeah you know, for all for all all of us when when people say all lives matter good feel 100% that type of pain of of that actual of that actual prospect or that proactive thinking that you are already going to have to go through a painful discussion with a child that is not born yet. Exactly. That is that is that is that hurts your soul. Yeah. And if it hurts your soul, good. Speak against those that it doesn't yet. And speak, okay. and and speak in a in a way that really does progress even the most slight idea that that is okay.
1: Yeah. Even like, if you have the slightest idea, how does that manifest? Just the fact that I, like, you know, I, like, and, and that's usually one that, like, you know, touches people, is the fact that I dread having that conversation with my kids. Like, I dread it. And it's not necessarily me painting the world to be, like, bad for them. It's just me painting the world that, you know, unfortunately this happens and... This is the way you have to react if it does happen, like so that way. Again, you're not viewed in another different light, <laughs> you know. And it's just it's just layer upon layer of how to interact in social uh, in, in different places, like. Um, what to wear in certain places, like, uh, or in certain circumstances, not to be (laughs) in too big of a group uh, in certain places or certain circumstances. Um, And just unfortunate things like that. Like it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's it's saddening to think about, you know, having to have that conversation with my kids. Like it's just really saddening. i just like having people put themselves in my shoes to kind of visualize what kind of pain that would bring them if they had to have that conversation with their kids or with their future kids or, you know, feeling like or that feeling when you have that question and your parents have to break it down to you and things like that. Like that's just it's just unfortunate
3: and i just want to say something i'm my name is lenisa um i'm a friend of jamal's i grew up with jamal um you know we did karate for years together and um i think you know i think it's great that he's speaking about this but i can speak to having kids you know that are african-american my i'm filipino um, but my kids are half black right and i like being on this call i just I'm on social media it's just being on this call makes me want to break down. Like, I don't even know how I'm speaking right now, but, you know, just hearing Jamal speak about it and saying that it breaks his heart to have, to have this conversation, you know, it's one that I never even had with my kids until this happened because, you know, for me, I think my kids, they look really Filipino uh, in my eyes, you know, and, they, you know, people, when they, a lot of people, I think when they look at them, you know, they don't see that, you know, they are half Black, you know, they're very dark, but, you know, I don't think they experience the same things, you know, that a lot of Black kids do, but um, it's a conversation that I did have to have with my son, because he's 11, he's growing, he's changing, and he identifies as being Black, you know, and Having to show him this, it broke my heart. As he started, you know, he started crying, and it's like, like you know, he's eleven. Like, why do I even have to show him, you know, something like this? And it's it's terrible. It's heartbreaking, and like for him to have to deal with those emotions, and not being, you know, black myself, I can't really even tell him how to feel. You know, I'm learning from my friends you know, I'm learning from my Black friends, or what I see, or, you know, his family members. I can't, you know, I'm never going to experience what he's experiencing. So, you know, I think it's really, thank you, Jamal, for sharing this with us, because, like he mentioned, when we grew up, you know, we were in karate, and we, I never even, I, I haven't even texted, you know, Jamal. I told Jamal I love him when all of this started happening again, but it's like, I'm like, what do I say? Because I don't even remember him going through anything. And, you know, and for me, I had to dig deep too because I had to say, you know, like maybe he did, he was going through something and I was blind to it and I never even realized it, you know? So, I mean, thank you Jamal for, you know, talking about this and bringing it up because I'm learning from you. This is why I'm on this call right yeah. now because, you know, I want to I hear it. I want to know what to expect, you know? Yeah, I
1: mean it's and it's it's just like riding bikes with your with your brother Sean. Like we got pulled over numerous times riding bikes through Hercules, through Panola, like on like on on dispatch calls where there was a breaking and entering or a, or a robbery or something like that, and the description was a white person or the description wasn't a person of color, and like oh my god, like ask Jason, ask my brother about this, like the the sheer lack of respect that me and my brother got compared to your brother or uh, I think Danny was on one with us or um, like other people that were on the bike ride and like that kind of level of disrespect and that kind of fear and that kind of automatic assumption and when like I mean granted my parents I, I my parents and I'm not even gonna lie my law and justice class did such a good job of educating me and my brother on questions to ask officers um and like knowing my rights knowing uh, the things that um what did i take i took law and justice somewhere in like middle school or something like that um but just like understanding like that i actually did have a voice and i did need to like i could ask for a probable cause i could ask you know what was the description of the person of the assailant that you're looking for and things like that like ask dispatch like what the assailant was you know, and, like, like, fortunately for us, like, I knew those questions, I knew those, I I knew the right things to do, I knew how to go about it, Um, but, like, for other people, like, they don't, you know, unfortunately, they really don't, and those situations end up being very, very bad for for certain people, and it's just sad, and it's just sad that, like, I had to know, (laughs) <laughs> like, why do I have to know that? Like at 13, 14, like, why did I have to know exactly, like, my rights and things like that? Like, I'm a 14-year-old kid on a bike. Like, what what's going on? Like, you know, so um, thank you for being on the call, though, sis. Love you. <laughs> All
0: right, so we usually go about an hour and a half, so we have 10 more minutes. If, if anybody else has anything that they want to add or anything like that. We good? Yeah. This is a heavy. Um, this is a this is a <laughs> heavy one. <laughs> this is a heavy one. I, I I want to
2: also like personally thank everybody on this call. Yeah, thank uh, you, Jack guys. Jamal. I mean, uh, honestly, just when 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 we get to a time like this that over the last three months, everybody has everybody has had to alter something. Right. Uh, very very little flow. There's a lot of ebb right now and i I do just want to really appreciate the fact that people can be resilient within their mindset to not allow situations like that this that on you know skin deep really are terrible problems and issues that are very deep rooted but not letting this time distract us from doing the one thing that we are always allowed to do which is have freedom of thought and the ability to communicate with each other and sharing the respect to have a fluid discussion regardless of the subject regardless of the views regardless of the bias of the relationship i really just want to appreciate the fact that everybody took this time to be on here and i think that these actions these are tangible actions that can be repeated on a very consistent basis can be repeated on a day-to-day basis and can be A certain action that we can take inside our lives and make it our purpose to do this, not only when the time seems so heightened, but to carry this on throughout our lives, regardless of how things seem on the outside. We always got to understand that we need to keep taking action. And the actions that we can take is our thought process, our perceptions, our mindset, our awareness, our ownership, and how we express and communicate those. And I just want to say thank you, everybody, for um, having this time and allowing me to be part of it.
1: Yeah. Again, I just want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. Um, I mean, because you, you can, you, you can, you have that choice whether to listen or to not listen. Um, and I just respect everyone for actually taking the time to listen, um, listen to the things that, you know, like past experiences that I've gone through, um, listen to the narrative that I have, the listen to, the different ways that you know you might be able to help listen to the different ways to have this conversation with other people um and just i i, I appreciate that and i appreciate the fact that um there are people who you know aren't necessarily like a hard one way or hard one a hard another but are just willing to bridge that gap and um i really really appreciate that and i really really appreciate um everyone listening and i appreciate you know, Brennan and Jack for joining this call with me. It feels weird because, like, Brennan usually lives, like, like, he lives, like, 10 minutes away from me, but, like, I'm six hours away, so that's, like, really weird. <laughs> <laughs>
2: fun uh, fact yeah. Jamal has a Jamal has a favorite spot in my house I like he falls yeah, asleep good. on my ottoman like it's like a really, sleeping on pill on the stomach. ottoman
4: yeah, <laughs> oh, every time Dad, really, that's, that's, really, that's that's,
2: that's really. my dog Mila and his favorite spot. So they kind of fight over it <laughs> yeah. the second he sits down on it it's like there's like a
1: tranquilizer because he just falls asleep every time <laughs> so <laughs> so that's it's how over.
2: close Jamal and I are and yeah. um, I, I love him
1: yep so, so. Thank you guys again. Yeah, no,
0: thanks a lot, everybody, for coming on. Um, We'll definitely, I mean, obviously, it's a weekly thing, but we'll definitely try to bring in some more of this, um, you know, just outside the industry, kind of gain some perspective. So thanks, everybody, for being on. Really appreciate it.